guys, I really am, I should say I could not be more excited than I am for you and for me this morning. Uh, we, you've heard us talk about Maria quite a bit. Um, and one of the things that we are just like passionate about is the, um, the biblical reality that the church is not an event. It's not a building. It's not a business. The church is the family of God. It's the people who relate to each other as brothers and sisters and relate to God as father. And we don't have like guest speakers. Um, we just don't really do that. We have extended family often that will come and, and share their gifts and um, what God's put on their heart and things. But so when we bring up Maria in just a second, like you just need to know like she's, she's not just someone that we kind of know of and that we like and enjoy. Like she really is extended family. Okay. Uh, I love this woman like a sister. Uh, she is bold. She is courageous. You're going to hear a bit of her story. I'm so excited for you to hear what she has prepared for you. Um, I was, I, we were chatting through what she's going to share and like I'm getting ex- inspired just like hearing this. I know I'm confident that you will too. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to spend too much time because I want you to hear from her. But I, as much as you possibly can, uh, I want you to give yourself over to genuinely listening to Maria and also keeping your antennas up to really hear from the Spirit what he might have for you this morning, okay? There's something that the Spirit of God does in mornings like this morning that, like, you can't control it, you can't manufacture it, you can't engineer it, but God's heart is so passionate and so filled with, with compassion and grace and love for his people that something really remarkable and special happens uh, when people who have walked the footprints of life that Maria has walked, when they share, okay? So without further ado, we are a people uh, who, we are a people of grace, which is getting what you don't deserve. And we are a, hopefully a culture of honor. So before she even says a word, will you erupt with applause and shouts and love for Maria? That's great. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. (laughs) Good morning, Restore Temecula. Um, My name is Maria, like Tom said, and it's honestly like such a privilege to be here this morning. I was driving up from San Diego, and I have met some of you. Um, I came back here a few months ago, and I was just thinking about um, that time that I spent, just a few hours that your leaders spent, like graciously and patiently listening to like my story, and I left just so prophesied over, so encouraged, so loved, and like so many of those words and those prayers have honestly been like fuel for me these last few months. And so Restore Temecula has like a really special place in my heart. Like I told Tom and Herrick this morning, I was like, I really love this church so much. It's weird. Um, (laughs) So the reason I think they picked me to talk about our value of mission today is like Tom said, because I'm a missionary. Um, and like he said as well, uh, the reason that this specific missionary is speaking to you today is because I'm connected to your broader family of churches. So about a year ago, a friend of a friend convinced Andy, the lead pastor of Restored Uptown and a few church members, 
to make a visit out to India where I was living at the time. And when they visited in April in 2020, I had been living in India for about just over three years and working with a nonprofit throughout India's rural villages that focused on helping local leaders get the resources that they needed um, to take the gospel to their villages and to nearby villages, most of which had never had a gospel presence before. Think Indian uncles with motorbikes and Bibles. That's who I worked with. But because of COVID and visa issues, I ended up taking the last repatriation flight out of India and landed in San Diego, where I've been interning with Restored Uptown for almost a year now, which is kind of crazy. And although today I'll be using myself and my story in India as an example, which we'll get more into later, the reality is that I am not the only one called to mission work, nor is mission work only for those called to a foreign nation. While we aren't all called to move across the ocean, we are all called to mission. And if you don't believe me, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Verse 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came near and said to them, his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is famously known as the Great Commission. Jesus' words to his disciples, inviting them into this unfolding story of God's plan to redeem all people and build his church through the making of disciples. This ultimately happens as every single Christian realizes that he or she is a missionary or a sent one. That is all that the word missionary actually means. And so today, I have two points regarding mission. The first is that God reaches the world through people that have been cleansed. And the second is that cleansed people were always commissioned people. So let's dive into point number one, that God reaches the world through people that have been cleansed. So if you guys have Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter six, and we're going to start in verse one. You guys ready? All right. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah was just cleansed completely of his sin after having encountered a living and holy God. And often when we think of holiness, we think of moral perfection. We think of God being holy because he's morally perfect, which is true. This is part of God's holiness. But what Isaiah experiences and sees is that God's holiness, it encompasses all of God's goodness and his power and his uniqueness. God is holy means God is set apart, not just in moral perfection, but also in complete purity. 
So if you're impure or sinful, which all of humanity ev- is, all of humanity ever is, then God's presence is dangerous to you. Not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And we see this in other parts of the scripture as well, like in the book of Exodus, when Moses comes across God's presence in the form of a burning bush. And as Moses begins to walk towards him, God responds by telling him not to come closer because the place he is standing on is holy ground. So what happens when Isaiah encounters this pure and powerful presence of God? Let's look at verse 5 again. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Isaiah has what I imagine is a proper response to God's presence. Woe. (laughs) Woe is me, for I am ruined. He sees that he is filthy and sinful, and he has no excuses or attempts to try to minimize his sin. He knows and accepts the fact that he deserves God's judgment. But then the most incredible thing happens. God, in his grace, chooses to forgive him and cleanse him completely of his sin in a moment. And this story is Isaiah's story, but in so many ways, it's a story of every forgiven, redeemed follower of Jesus. We should all have a moment where we are honest with ourselves and with God that we deserve to be judged by and alienated from God. And then we should have another moment when God reveals that there is a way for us to be cleansed and reconciled to him. This is what is foreshadowed in this Old Testament text. This moment with a glowing coal from the altar of God foreshadows the cleansing and reconciling work of Jesus, who died on the cross in our place for our sin, taking our shame upon himself. It's good news. To me, God revealed his cleansing and reconciling gospel through a local church, actually, just like this one. I was raised by a single immigrant mother from Mexico, and like most Hispanic families, we were Catholic by heritage more than anything else. In my world, to be Mexican was to be Catholic, but it didn't mean anything for me as far as religious devotion or life change. We attended the local Catholic church a couple of times, but I'm convinced it was in Latin, and I don't remember ever hearing the gospel preached. And at the same time, I had to grow up really fast. Um, After my mom immigrated from Mexico to America, she never learned English. She went straight to work, and we lived in a predominantly upper-class English-speaking town, which means my mom needed a lot of support. So while kids at school were training for soccer league and having sleepovers, I was helping my mom make tamales to sell out of the trunk of our car and translating for her as she navigated the complexities of living in a new country. And as you can imagine, dancing between two cultures, while a beautiful privilege in so, so many ways, caused me to grow up feeling increasingly isolated, alone, and far removed from any sense of belonging or security. And it was in the midst of this isolation and loneliness at around 15 years old that I decided I wanted to go to church. Now, I didn't know what that even meant for the record. (laughs) All I knew was that I didn't want to go to the Catholic church that we had been to in town. So I found a computer, I got on Google, and I googled church. Um, My Google results popped up one church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to my right and one Christian church to my left. Uh, Spoiler alert, I went left. Um, 
but not before calling the youth pastor and asking him a couple of really important questions. Was I allowed to come, even though my parents weren't Christian? And also, how much did I have to pay to get in? Now, those questions probably sound ridiculous to those of you that grew up in the church, but I had no concept of what I was getting myself into. As a 15-year-old girl, I had nothing that should have even made me show up to those church doors on a Tuesday afternoon for youth group. The only possible reason is that God truly is a pursuer of his people. And as I showed up every week, this community of Christians, they loved me, guys. They remembered my name. They asked questions about my life. They wondered where I was when I didn't come one week. And I had never experienced being seen and cared for like that. And simultaneously, I learned about the ultimate act of love, God in pursuit of me, coming to earth, living this perfect life, taking my sin and shame upon himself in the midst of my rebellion so that I could spend my whole life with him. (laughs) It was in this way that I came to love and follow the man, Jesus. Now, so far, I have covered Isaiah's cleansing story, and I've covered my cleansing story, but what about your story? Have you had a moment or a growing realization that God is so holy and so beautiful and so majestic and you are so unholy, so sinful, so spiritually ugly apart from him? And then have you had another moment or a growing realization that this holy, beautiful, good God whom you should have nothing to do with longs to forgive you and reconcile with you? Have you received the work of Jesus on your behalf, dying and rising to forgive you and restore you and cleanse you? Until that happens, you don't need to worry about telling anyone about God. You need a personal revelation of the grace of God. And if you want to talk more about that, I would love to talk with you after this sermon. (laughs) And so would Tom or Herrick. (laughs) But for those of you who have experienced a forgiveness and a cleansing that you don't deserve like Isaiah, what is it so often that God does next in our lives? To get a feel for that, we're going to jump back into our text. So if you have have Bibles, we're going to continue in Isaiah 6, picking up in verse 8. And Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Now, what we see taught in this passage is my next point. Cleansed people, we are always commissioned people. We see Isaiah here. He's seen God's holiness. He's been cleansed. And now his immediate response before God even gives a job description of what he's being sent to is, here I am, send me. He makes himself available to the voice of God and the calling of God and the purposes of God. He doesn't need to know what or who the commission is to because he's just excited that this holy God, who he's completely unworthy to even be in the presence of, has just cleansed him, purified him, and made him whole. My commission for me happened about a year into following Jesus. I was still going to that same church, I mentioned earlier where I came to faith, and one evening the youth pastor got up to teach, and he said something along the lines of, there's actually more to God than I could tell you, but I don't know how to tell you. Now, this caused me a bit of confusion, you guys, because I hadn't been following Jesus for very long, so I didn't know where else to go for answers if the youth pastor didn't have them. 
but I had been around long enough, just long enough to hear about mission trips. And so, compelled by this statement that there was more to God than I had yet heard, I got a hold of a computer again, and I googled mission trips. It was another successful Google search that <laughs> ended with me signing up for a two-month mission trip where I was told I would spend one month on an island off the north coast of Panama and the second month throughout the Tabardi jungle, also in Panama. And if you've heard my story, which some of you here have, you know that on this trip, a couple of very significant things happened for me. The first was on the first um, week of the trip. We took a six-hour canoe ride to the island that we would be living on, thatched roof huts, open fires, a whole jungle vibe in the middle of the ocean. And the first day, we're on this island going door-to-door or hut-to-hut, reading scriptures and praying with people when we show up at this old lady's house. Her daughter comes out and asks us to pray for her mom. She says that her mom has been blind since birth and wants to know if our God can heal her. So because we're missionaries and it'd be really awkward to run in the opposite direction at this point for lack of faith, um, we mustered up all the confidence we could and prayed for the woman, but nothing happened. So we came back the next day, we prayed again, and nothing happened. And so we came back a third day, and you know what happened? Nothing happened. So I remember getting ready to walk back to this lady's hut on day four, and we're actually set to leave the next day. And I felt so awkward going to pray for her. Had we gotten her hopes up just to leave her the same way? But we did. We, we went back and prayed for her one more time. And on this fourth day, God had mercy on this woman, blind since birth on a tribal island in the middle of the ocean. God ho- showed up and healed her completely. Imagine, for decades, she hasn't been able to see. She doesn't know what her family looks like. She doesn't know what her daughter looks like. She lives on an island, and she doesn't know what the ocean looks like. And all of a sudden, in a moment, the blind regains her sight, and then on top of that, the reason she can see is because of a man named Jesus. The second moment was when we left our island and we showed up to the jungle for our second month and we're going hut to hut again, it's kind of our thing, (laughs) and we showed up at a house and when we arrived there was a woman kind of decked out in tribal wear carving kind of like a small wooden statue-like thing and I thought maybe it was a toy for her grandchildren or a souvenir she'd try to sell us but as we got to talking our translator explained that it was actually her idol or her god for the day. So if her day went well, she'd keep it another day. Um, If her day didn't go well, then she'd throw it away, and she'd carve a new one and start over the next day. Again, I had only been a follower of Jesus for a very short time. My theology wasn't very developed or impressive by any means, but what I did know was that I had just encountered a God who was powerful enough to heal the blind— and a savior who loved me and heard me and saw me and knew me, all the things which this wooden statue could not do for this woman. So I went home after that trip and began to learn about unreached people groups. These are groups of people around the world who have no or very little access to the gospel, and there are not enough current followers of Jesus or resources in their context for them to be able to hear the gospel. So get this, 42.6% of people groups in the world fall under this category. 
That's over three billion people that if no one goes to them, they might never hear the gospel or even meet a Christian in their life. So after reading those statistics, I decided I had found my calling. (laughs) As soon as I graduated from high school, I would move to the rural mountains of Nepal, live in a yurt, and translate the Bible into an unknown language. That never happened. (laughs) But it did set me on a trajectory that years later, through a series of more short-term trips, would eventually connect me to a team working in India that I would end up joining. I felt commissioned by God to move to India to join this team to help raise up the local leaders I was telling you about and the missionaries in rural villages to help them bring the gospel to places where it has never gone before. And so I did that for almost four years. And during that time, I traveled thousands of miles on India's dirt roads, ate more rice than most of you here will eat in your life. And, but most importantly, um, I met some of the most incredible and courageous men and women of faith who were frontline workers in bringing the gospel to places where it had never gone before. And it was actually in the midst of that work, living in the city, but working in the villages, that God began to place people people in my life who were a lot like you and me, Locals, local Indians who I could grab a drink or a latte with, English-speaking, urban, modern Indians who had more in common with someone like you and me than with someone like an hour down the road. That's like the level of diversity in India. And I realized that while the gospel was permeating India's rural villages, nobody in my experience was reaching the urban upper caste Christian, um, Indian. And so I, so I decided it felt with this new realization kind of like a recommissioning for me. So I quit my NGO work and I set out in pursuit of what, of what a life reaching India's upper class English speaking communities could look like. During that time came the idea of starting a cafe or a restaurant business in my city's IT sector that could serve as a way to fund our disciple making and church planning work in India long term. Um, In addition to that, it would provide me with a business visa that would allow me to legally be in India long-term with a purpose that is legitimate to the Indian government. Open Doors USA, which is an NGO that studies the persecution of Christians globally, ranked India for the second year in a row as the 10th most dangerous place to be a Christian in the world. It outranked many nations more commonly known for their persecution against followers of Jesus like Iraq, Sudan, Syria, and China. I will add a quick disclaimer that that mostly applies to local Indians. For a foreigner, the worst that could happen is you get blacklisted and you're never allowed back in the country, which is why a cover like a business is really important. So the business and business visa will serve as a way to remain in the country even if persecution and radical Hindu ideals continue to increase within India's borders. It's one of the best long-term strategies that offers both longevity of visa and long-term funding overseas. And this is what I feel commissioned to do. Again, even though I'm using my story today as an example, it's important to remember that not everyone's called to move overseas, but we are all called to mission. And today, I'd like you to consider what being commissioned might look like for you. Here are some ideas. You ready? Share the gospel locally with Temecula. Throughout church history, men and women have been sent to far-off places to bring the gospel, and they have also been commissioned by God to bring the gospel to their own neighborhoods and cities. John Tyson, a pastor in New York City who you might be familiar with, 
He says that when it comes to being sent, it will not always be grandiose and monumental in the moment. Oftentimes, being sent means being Jesus' hands and feet in daily, small, faithful ways. Praying faithfully for a coworker, babysitting a neighbor's children, working tirelessly to bring change in your industry, or learning a new language so you can share the gospel with a friend in their first or heart language. While Jesus was on earth, he was confined to one small, tiny region for his entire life. And his daily life consisted of feeding the hungry, healing the sick, and preaching the gospel to that small Jewish people group. And yet his life and ministry shaped all of human history. This is why Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a small bit of yeast or a tiny mustard seed. Small acts done through the power of God's spirit have disproportionate effects for the kingdom. And I know that we're currently coming out of one of the most unique seasons that many of us will probably ever experience. For months, we've been confined to our homes and Zoom calls and the important task of helping our families flourish despite a worldwide pandemic. But as our neighborhoods and our cities open back up, it's important that you prayerfully seek God and how he might be commissioning you and your family back out locally in this season to your unbelieving neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers. There are beautiful, loved, significant people out there who will only experience the love and cleansing of a holy God if we welcome them into our lives and show them with our actions and tell them with our words that there is good news to be lived. And another idea is to give and pray for someone sent abroad. Last year, the family of churches, they sent Kyle and Kaya to North Africa, where they have been faithfully learning their language and building relationships with locals. And during their time, they've even seen someone come to know Jesus already, which is amazing. Like, I've met a lot of missionaries. That's amazing. (laughs) And I know that they would appreciate your prayers as they continue to do the work that you guys gave to and commissioned them to do as a family. Then there's me. (laughs) This year, I will return to India, God willing, as an extension of the restored family. And I would love your prayers. I have already seen God come through in the most incredible ways, and the journey continues. I would appreciate your prayers for the business and my visa, and especially the disciples yet to be made. I think about all of the locals that God might be calling to help us start a community and a family there. And to help make all of this a reality, like Herrick said, the family of churches will be doing a give love for our work in India. Your giving will help get the business I've mentioned off the ground to help fund our work in India long term. And if you have more questions, which I sure hope you do, um, at any point about this, I would love to answer them. And a third idea when considering what commissioning for you might look like is to go abroad short term. It's actually really exciting for me to think about the fact that being here And having the privilege to be a part of this family is directly connected to Andy and a few members of Restored Uptown coming to India on our short-term trip for a week. And I happen to know that during that same time, while the Uptown crew was with me, um, Tom, Dorian, and Paul were in Turkey. And right now, um, Andy and his wife Jackie, also from Restored Uptown, are currently in North Africa encouraging Kyle and Kaya. And if you feel called and the opportunity presents itself, I would highly encourage you to make yourself available to go abroad for a short time. 
I have found that in my own walk with Jesus, that rubbing shoulders with believers from different nations has always left me more curious, more grateful, and more excited for what God can and is doing through his church. Let God use people's stories and relationships and cultures to expand your view of him, to see him as the global God with a global purpose and a global plan that he has always been. And if going abroad short-term isn't enough for you, you could always consider going abroad long-term. Join Kyle and Kaya or I as we bring the gospel to the places where God has called us. Be an extension of one of these stories or begin another one. Jesus' words from Matthew 28, 19 say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The reality of our current world is that over one out of four people have never heard of Jesus and have no believers nearby to hear the good news from them, even if they wanted to. That means, again, no Bibles, no churches, no Christian neighbors, almost three billion people who are still waiting to hear about Jesus. While I was living in India, I met a Chinese girl named, who I'll call, I'll call Kay. So Kay grew up with a family, with a wealthy Chinese businessman for a father. And she studied um, abroad in the West for some time before moving to India to do business. And as we got to know each other, I asked her if she had ever met a Christian. Um, Perplexed, she asked me what a Christian was. So I tried a different route. I asked if she'd ever heard of Jesus. She asked me if he worked with the Christians. (laughs) So Kay's story is obviously one from China, which has sought to replace religion with government and has created a very difficult scenario for the gospel to be brought there. Um, And although most nations aren't as restricted as China, the reality is that a large majority of the world still lacks the people and resources needed to make the gospel available to people like Kay who currently have no way to hear the name of Jesus. So God's question in Isaiah 6 remains relevant to us today. Who will I send? Who will go for us? There are people across cities and villages, neighborhoods and towns across Asia and Europe and Africa and Temecula who all need the gospel. They need it. We have it. So restored Temecula, what is it for you? What is God commissioning you to do next? Will you make yourself available to the calling, the commissioning, and the voice of God who cleansed you and made himself known to you? Will you join him as he gathers his family together from every corner of the world? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reality that you are a God who is so kind and so generous and so loving who has such good news to be lived, God, that we can't help but want to share it. We can't help but want to give it away. And so, God, I just pray um, for every person in this room, every person who calls Restored Temecula home, that you would give them, God, a revelation of what it is that you are calling them into next. Cleansed people are always commissioned people, God. So what are you commissioning each and every one of us to do? Is it to raise our children to obey and follow Jesus? Is it to reach out? to our local barista? Is it to go abroad short-term or long-term? God, we, we ask and we thank you that you do speak to us and that you make these things clear. You are so holy and so good and so worthy of our life, God. And we just want to give it all to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Yeah, can you guys bless her, please? See what I mean? Um, Three billion people Like, can you just, we have, we have plenty of time this morning. I just kind of want to sit here for a little bit. I think the Lord has stuff he wants to accomplish, things that he wants to do in each and every single one of us this morning. Three billion people who don't have access to the gospel of Jesus. It's crazy. I love what Maria said. Uh, she said, they need it, we have it. We're hitting the reset button as a church, right? The series that we're in right now. Renewing our devotion to Jesus and his ways. Okay, the last year, chaos, crazy, disorienting. Who? Are, what kind of disciples are we going to be moving forward? Going through our values, we just hit mission today, right? Are we going to be people who actually value mission? Like, not just on paper, but in practice. You know, I was thinking about all morning. Um, I'm a Christian because God sent someone to me. I needed the gospel. They had it and they shared it. And if you're a Christian, the same is true of you. Can we think about, can we just camp there for a second too? Can we just hang out here for just a second? The infinite and almighty God, personally, strategically, intentionally, sent someone to you. Maybe it was a collection of believers at church. Maybe it was a friend or a neighbor. If you're a Christian, it's because God himself sent someone to you to share the beautiful, good, glorious truth of his gospel. That you're so bad that God had to die for you, but you're so loved that he was willing and glad to do it. So here's what I want. I want for each of us, and I'm like praying my face off for this as well. So this includes me. This morning, I want for each of us to consider two things how God might have you personally partner in his mission and participate in his mission. Partner and participate. Because like she said, cleansed people are always commissioned people. Every single one of us. Have you been cleansed? Like, Have you, have you, have you received the grace of Jesus, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus to infiltrate your mind and change the way you think? That you're forgiven, that you're loved. You don't deserve it, but he says you're worth it. So therefore, the authority of God says you're worthy of it. Undeserved grace, mercy, favor, forgiveness. Have you been cleansed? Because if you have, you're commissioned, like Maria said. And to the degree that you live out of that commissioning, you know what that does? It demonstrates whether or not you're actually cleansed. It doesn't earn it, but it's, it's the fruit of it. You with me? And so oftentimes, you're just like me. Guys, we live in a really comfortable place. It, and it's God's grace. It's good. Like, we were called to bring the kingdom of God wherever we are. 
Like God's not anti like good things happening, okay? He's not anti-safety. But listen, the way that you live out your commissioning, whether you do or whether you don't, or to what degree you do or don't, it's a reflection of how much, or not how much, it's a reflection of whether or not you've received the cleansing love of God. Are you seeing this with me? Are you tracking with me? And so oftentimes, you know what? Sometimes the enemy's strategy with you and me is just to distract us. Maybe it's not the like crazy temptation for the gnarly scandalous sin. Maybe just maybe it's like to distract you with comfortable living. But man, oh man, we were created for so much more than that. And there are spectacular stories that will unfold and be the result of a man or a woman, just like Isaiah, simply just saying, yes, send me. Some of you are called, if you're a parent, you're, you're called to your children. Like you're sent to them. Okay, you got clarity on your commissioning right there, like Maria said. If you have a spouse, sent to them. Okay, the neighborhood you live in, sent to them. The family of God that you belong to, sent to them. Two things this morning. I want, to, I want us to press into the Lord to get clarity on two things. How he would have us partner with God's mission, the global God story that includes this valley, but it also includes the nations. Partner and how he would have you to participate for you. Um, just candidly, we're just so open about everything with regarding money and stuff here. Like we want to raise at least $20,000 in this church to send with Maria for seed money to get things going over in India. All right, I love her strategy. So oftentimes, and this isn't a bad thing, but so oftentimes missionaries get sent abroad and then for the next 20 years, they need to be funded, which isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. But I love her strategy to go like, no, let's get some seed money over there so we can start generating some income there that will fund our, mini- our, our, our mission there, our ministry there. I love it. It's brilliant. It's responsible. It's wonderful. Let's give her as much money as we possibly can above and beyond our tithes and offerings. We want to be a, a radically generous people here for the sake of the nations, for the sake of the gospel. So when we talk about partnering, here's a, a tangible example for Restored Temecula. That's, this is a, a big thing for us. Every year, we prayerfully seek, God, what would you have us to do? How can we partner? And that's what give, the Give Love offering is every single year. This year, it's all India. All of it. Every dime. And then secondly, how would he have you participate? Partner and participate. How would he have you to participate? Who in your life doesn't know the love of God for them? They're living a comfortable life. That, that could, that's fine. But like their soul, they're missing out. Who, who in your life is, is not a, a disciple of Jesus, which means they're, they're missing out on the benefits of his kingdom. Like not just here and now, but forever. Who do you know that doesn't have a meaningful connection to God through his body where they can grow and they can develop into the man or the woman that God has created them to be? All right, here's what I'm gonna do. Will you stand if you're able? I want us to respond together as the family of God, pressing into him. The band's gonna lead us. They're gonna serve us. And so here's what I want. I wanna invite you, I should say. 
can't control you. I want to invite you. I want to invite you into a response time of praise. Okay? So first and foremost, thanking God that he sent his son to redeem you. The greatest missionary of all time, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, coming down to earth for you and for me. Like, can we thank him? Can we praise him? So I want to invite you to do that as a response. And I also want to con- want you to consider it in this time, pressing into the Lord, thanking him, praising him, considering how he might be inviting you to partner with God's mission around the world and to participate with his mission around the world. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every child, both here and everywhere. Praise and thank him. Consider how he, he might be inviting you to partner in his mission and to participate in his mission. Let's spend some time. Let's just see what the Spirit has for us this morning. Okay? Love you guys so much. Will you lead us? Just bless us, guys. Thank you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the ways that you speak to your children for the ways that you intervene in our hearts and in our minds, for the ways that you stir us up. I love the ways that you use like our physical bodies to actually emote, like emotion, to communicate to us, to share your your burden with us. There's nothing like the love of God. There's nothing like the personal love of God. And so our request is that you would make us individuals and a church family that is driven by love to pursue your mission to redeem and to save. Love the lyrics of that song. Love came down and rescued me. God, you are love. It's who you are. And in your kindness and in your faithfulness, you share who you are with each of us. There's callings that you're clarifying this morning. There's things for some of us in the room right now. There's things that we've thought about years ago. Maybe even for some of us when we were kids. Ways that we almost fantasized and and dreamed about um, like pursuing in love, like like pursuing the living for the benefit of others in specific ways. Even for some of you, your vocations, like what you do for a living. I feel like right now, this morning, God's solidifying those things. He's bringing you back on the path. Oh, the kindness of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, God's giving you vision for your children. Praise him to serve them and love them and introduce them to the kingdom. And more than just the kingdom, the king who sits on the throne, who loves them and made them and is inviting them. Thank you for the ways that you stir our heart, Father. 
We thank you for special mornings like this morning. We get to enjoy your presence. We get to enjoy the freedom of being set free. And we get in you, in you and your kindness, you share a bit of your heart with us for those that have been yet to be set free. Thank you that we're not alone. We've been grafted into a family, an eternal spiritual family. We love you. We ask for more of your kingdom to come, more of your will to be done on earth, the whole earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. Um, well, here's what we're going to do, guys. If you need to get your kids, get your kids great. I feel like we just need to be available for prayer. Maria, are you down to pray? Ever you down to pray? Um, we're just going to kind of be over here. If any of you guys, if, if, if God's stirring something up, up in you, we'd love to just pray um, and minister to you, anybody who needs it. If, if you feel like God's giving you direction for things that you want to share, if you want to encourage Maria, um, please, guys, we have tons of space to do that. Kind of like soft clothes. You guys know my, I'm notorious for the soft clothes. Uh, we'll soft close the gathering. You can grab your kids. You can pray if you want prayer. Um, just know that you're loved. Really, really special, beautiful morning, guys. Thank you, Maria, again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys, know that you're loved.